0: You're listening to Tech Talks, the TV industry podcast from Broadcast Tech Magazine. My name is Jake Bickerton and I'm the editor of Broadcast Sport and Broadcast Tech Magazines. The latest episode of this podcast series is with BBC Breakfast Editor Richard. I'm probably going to get your surname wrong. (laughs) Uh, Is it (laughs) Freddie Arnie by
1: any chance? Very good. But most importantly, call me Freddie. I picked up a nickname in my school days of Freddie and that's how I'm always known. Even when, when the BBC appointed me to this role, it got announced as, welcome to the BBC,
0: Freddie. Well, Hello, Freddie. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Could you start off maybe telling us a little bit about your background and then we can move on to your role as BBC Breakfast Editor?
1: Yeah, so I was a lifer at uh, at ITV for most of my career, a good sort of 25 years working at either ITV News or ITN. Just over a year ago, I decided to take on a new challenge, which was the role at BBC Breakfast, when the role came available. I uh, was fortunate enough to be appointed, and for just under a year, which has been a very quiet year, uh, <laughs> I've been in charge of
0: BBC Breakfast. It's probably not the year anyone would have imagined when you joined. No,
1: I think I started knowing, obviously, there was going to be a general election at,
0: at some
1: point, because the speculation by them was so wild it was a case of when rather than if yeah and you were probably working on the basis of Brexit was going to happen but of course the the one that nobody could predict and the one that nobody knew was going to completely change the way that we both work and approach things was the pandemic that sort of dominated the previous
0: six months. BBC Breakfast was just well known for interview base with celebrities and newsmakers on the red sofa and then Very quickly, presumably in March time, you must have sort of needed to transition over to, you know, conversations like this through Zoom and FaceTime, Skype and stuff like that. Yeah. How did you approach the change? It was
1: a challenge. You're absolutely spot on. The programme has been built around the red sofa for the past 20 years. I think about the period before the pandemic struck, so to speak, when... The fairly sort of standard way of working, say, during the general election or during Brexit in the previous few months that I'd been in charge was to take the show on the road. So you might take a portable red sofa with you somewhere right. or get the big names to come and sit on the sofa because that's, that's the brand, that's what it was built around. And mm. then lo and behold, from sort of mid-March onwards, certainly when lockdown officially kicked in on March 23rd, It became a show that was having to be built around in effect not being on the red sofa even once you got into early April the other presenters who would share that sofa who would be in that studio were having to be moved to to other parts of the building or indeed other floors of the building so Mm. it completely changed the way that we had to operate on a day-to-day basis both in front of the camera And, of course, behind, the gallery suddenly was reduced in staffing. The way that journalists were working in the office was having to be in a far safer way. But, of course, what didn't change was we were producing at least three hours of television Mm. every morning. One of the stats that still surprises me is the team that work on BBC Breakfast produce between three and four hours of content every morning for BBC One. When you total that across a week, it's just under one day's worth of BBC
0: One every week. <laughs> Presuming you literally went from one day, maybe on a Friday, I don't know, uh, where things were as normal to uh, a couple of days later, literally everything's having to be made in this way. Yeah.
1: What became clear sort of through March was increasingly people had become, from guests to just the way our own staff were operating, increasingly conscious, concerned about how we were doing things you know was it right to send somebody to that location was it right to get a guest i remember march the 16th which was when the initial warning was put out and that was before the country went into full lockdown a week later and we had a a conversation in the office about social distancing on the sofa because you know one of the images pre that point was two presenters sat by side by side in the middle of the camera and I remember saying to Gavin Allen, the head of Output, at the BBC, I think it's, you know, I think we should separate them because, you know, the message at the moment is about social distancing. And, and there was actually a, a conversation about, well, is that right? And, you know, should we do that? And how's it going to look, et cetera? Yeah. Um, and we did that. And, and actually other shows, they did it a, a couple of days or a day or so after us, but right. we did it on the Tuesday morning because it, it was both a right message to send out to our viewers, but also mm. a right message for the safety of our staff. Mm. So we'd already started to implement some changes so that by the time you got to the the full lockdown on March 23rd, where clearly the message was only traveling when necessary, Mm. that was the point at which some of the measures that we'd brought in and some of the changes where you were starting to do a few more things on Skype or Zoom or FaceTime, that's where absolutely became a central part of the show. And that fundamentally changed change the way that we worked on air but also behind the scenes with more staff working from home Mm. with staff having to socially distance in the office etc we had to basically invent a completely new way of working Mm. to ensure the show stayed on air and of course the questions we were asking ourselves was was that going to be possible would Mm. we be able to still maintain that level of output what's been a great tribute to the team both in front of camera and behind the cameras is that we've managed to do that?
0: And have you adapted it since March, when you first had to react to, to what was going on, through to now? Have you made little tweaks throughout?
1: Certainly, in in April and May, you were learning lessons every day. The best way of using technology, simple things. I mean, I think all our viewers have seen it, and I've seen it commented in a wider basis. You know, interviews that are done up up noses and you know the way things are framed and in the early part of the pandemic, you know, how many times did you see people commentating commenting on what was on the shelf behind somebody, etc.? What you started to learn very quickly is what areas of the country have good and bad broadband connections. You know, having to educate people about how to set up a certain piece of technology on their phone behind the scenes, you know, how can you get the best out of staff who are for very good and understandable reasons, having to work from home, you were no longer having those meetings where, you, where 10, 15, 20 of you are sat in the office in a room discussing and debating how to do your story the next day. And suddenly all of that is being done as a Zoom meeting. Whilst there are other things going on in their homes, you suddenly got an insight into the building work that's going on into somebody's yes. house or the child that's running around.
0: That kind of behind the scenes stuff, has that changed a little bit since lockdown's been eased off a little bit?
1: Once the measures started to change, that ensured people were more willing to come into the office to work. But there are some roles where you've gone, do you know what, it continues to work just as efficiently as home. There is a limit to how many people can come in the office because you need to keep people socially distanced. You need to work safely in the space that we've got. So on a weekly basis, we put out a note about who's in next week and who's out next week there were some great advantages of people working from home and how we've used technology that we probably wouldn't have used if it wasn't for the pandemic in terms of communicating with each other mm. but that also presented challenges as well you know there is something about being in the office just the social nature of it the conversation we're having now is two dimensional i can mm. see you we can speak to each other but you can't sense the other person and mm. that sometimes is part of the creative process
0: and what about things like VTs and outside broadcasts? Have you had to stop those or have you found a way of making those work? By the time you got to the, the start of March, it literally was
1: everything shut down. Straight away, obviously, as I mentioned, the interview situation changed. You were doing everything on Zoom, Skype or FaceTime. You weren't doing it as OBs and you weren't sending cameras and trucks, etc. And you're right, things like when you're commissioning VTs, there were some people who were technically very adept and were very happy working from home. You know, that was already happening well before the pandemic hit, ever hit, where people, particularly young journalists, were brilliant at being able to self edit on some form of technology on a laptop from home and send it in complete. If I rewind to April, you know, our biggest success at that point was the work that we did around Captain Tom. Mm. If you think about the Captain Tom story, which actually came out at the start of April. So that was only a couple of weeks after we'd gone into major lockdown. Hmm. And we were one of the first, certainly at a national level, we were the first to, to pay attention to that story. And that okay. was a classic, here's a story that we've come across. Let's do him on Zoom on a Friday. And we did him and his daughter Hannah on a Zoom. And it got a brilliant response and it was like, let's do that again tomorrow because we've already had a brilliant response. And so we did it again 24 hours later and it had an, an even more of an amazing response on the Saturday. And as the story grew in terms of the attention, you want to do more than just every time you're doing him, you're doing him with Skype.
0: Hmm. So
1: we worked closely with health and, health and safety here at the BBC. We worked closely with Captain Tom's family to the point that one of the things that we were very lucky to Realised right at the start was there was always going to be a point when he hit his hundred lap. Yeah. That was going to be a, a moment. We yeah. don't get me wrong. Nobody could suggest that we worked out on the first day we did the story <laughs> that it would be at the level it it would be at the end of the story. <laughs> no. But because of the the honourable way the family worked, because they recognised how quickly we got onto it, they were happy to work with us to give us. Unrivaled access to him that morning that he actually completed his hundred laps on our show But that involved us doing an OB and that involved us sending a reporter But doing it within the safety of you know, somebody was just about to turn a hundred You know who obviously people would be concerned about his safety And what was great was we were still able to do that and, and bring a brilliant program to the, the, the audience that got fantastic ratings using technology that actually we would have done pre-pandemic, but all done within the prism of, of the safety that we were having to work work under. So, mm. you know, it meant we had to change the way we worked, but we were still able to achieve some of the things that we'd done before lockdown came in. We then did a special programme for BBC One at peak mm. time where we got Michael Ball involved, because it was our idea to get him to sing to Captain Tom, which ended up being a number one.
0: That's right.
1: You know, And produced a, a special prime time show that got shown twice on BBC One and ended up with a collective audience of 9 million people.
0: Presumably at that stage, there wasn't lots of production guidelines for how to go on to set. BBC was very, very good from, you know, the health and safety point
1: of view of giving guidance. And obviously there were some quite strict rules that everybody had to abide by, not just us, us as broadcast journalists, but you know every member of the public was having to abide by in terms of social distancing and in terms of numbers of people who could gather etc and yes mm. whilst the bbc you know had some exemptions as a public service broadcaster as did itv and and others there is still the message that you're sending out so for instance if i take the captain tom example in a pre pandemic era we would have sent many more people so we had to scale back some of the ambition but you were still able to do some amazing content but stay true to the safety that was expected both by our viewers and by our staff
0: were there little adaptations to what you'd normally do i'm thinking things like you know practically the length of the boom mic and all that kind of stuff yeah
1: yeah you know all of that becomes factored in it so what you're having to do every time you do a job even now is very clearly think in advance okay bearing in mind the coronavirus restrictions what restrictions does that put on us the most important thing is the safety of your staff whatever role that they play Mm -hmm. so as a simple example in our office the gallery would normally have in a pre-pandemic time upwards of nine or ten people in there well we have a limit of six in there so as a simple example the person doing the autocue they used to be cramped on a desk with two others right behind well that's not Safe from a social distant point of view. So we had to relocate that person out of the gallery into a role that kept them safe, but kept other people in the gallery safe. In our gallery, the vision mixer and the director would have to sit side by side. That's mm. no longer possible. So at mm. the moment, and this only used to happen at weekends, the director on BBC Breakfast is also vision mixing. Well, that's quite a challenge. Yeah. And they've, they've done brilliantly a multi camera OB with many different sources, with people remotely joining by FaceTime and Zoom, et cetera. One person is mixing all of that, including things like a fly pass. That's a a brilliant testament to the ability and flexibility of some of the staff behind the scenes.
0: And what, what do you think the future is for this kind of way of working?
1: I think the truth is, is there will be some lessons that we've learned during the pandemic and some things that we've done during the pandemic that will stay with us forever. The big debate will be which of those processes and and to what extent. As much as there have been times when Zoom, Skype, FaceTime have been deeply frustrating, it's also at times given us access to people relatively cheaply when you wouldn't normally have got that. I think the challenge for a show like BBC Breakfast is What you lose by not being sat on the sofa next to the presenters is that intimacy or that reassurance or that little bit of humanity that you get by being on there.
0: BBC Breakfast is getting to twenty next month. Is there key points of which you can see where BBC Breakfast has transitioned a little bit each time? Twenty years in terms
1: of as BBC Breakfast, obviously, breakfast TV on BBC has, has lived a lot longer than that. I think what's interesting is and what has been at the heart of that has been the red sofa. And the sofa in itself has become a, a symbol. And I think that's really important. And probably the biggest challenge, the biggest change that, that Breakfast made in those 20 years was simply the move from London to Media City in, in Salford. And, and actually, therefore, the biggest change, even though the viewers might not have seen it, was that move of production staff, technology, and presentation from its home in London to being at Media City and being part of a wider cohort, which isn't just the BBC, but now has ITV on the site, has the University of Salford, has independent production companies. And that means you now tap into a, into a richness of staff, both talent who are gonna be here in front of the camera and production staff who work behind it.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Broadcast Tech Tours Podcasts. Subscribe now, and I'll see you next time.